Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand, we had Jack Daniels in the house. Pure Tennessee whiskey. Woohoo! Mr. Colin Coleman educated us on the line. We tried the gold number 27. What the hell is that? We tried their single barrel rye. Delicious. The heritage barrel and Seven Grand's own Jack Daniels single barrel that was picked by our own employees, Evan Roth and Adam Kloos were on that trip and Adam Kloos came in and told us about the experience of choosing a single barrel of whiskey, in this case, Tennessee whiskey, and that's not bourbon, baby. Check it out and always remember to listen to this podcast responsibly. That means when your significant other is trying to talk to you, don't ignore them. And you've got a bunch of really, really, these are all marks that I've never seen before, except for our little single barrel, which we'll get to last. But the rest of these labels are totally new to me. And we're gonna get to taste the seven grand single barrel of Jack Daniels that we recently bought. Uh, Evan, the bar jackalope manager actually, uh, he helped choose it. And Adam Clues, who's our bartender at seven grand, he's in the house and he's gonna talk to us about what it is to select a single barrel. When the pressure's on and you're super hungover and you're sweating and you're... <laughs> That's the truth actually, yeah. <laughs> you got PTSD from choosing a barrel? Oh, kids today. He's like, uh. all right, bro. We'll figure it out together. I promise. I promise. <laughs> right on. So give us a little history of the brand. Because like Jack Daniels, obviously, are you guys the number one amel- uh, selling American whiskey in the world? We are the number one American whiskey. It always kind of flip-flops for the world domination between us and Johnny Walker. Uh, but you could kind of always argue that, you know, Johnny Walker's blended scotch coming from a bunch of different distilleries. We come from one tiny little place called Lynchburg, Tennessee. So it's pretty awesome to think about that, that we're the number one to selling whiskey in the world that's coming from one place. You it's know? number one American yeah. whiskey in the American, world, by, American, far, by, easily, by far. Easily, by far, yeah. By, by at least far. By like, a lot. Like five times. Yeah, it's a lot, yeah. A lot of times when you travel in other parts of the world, the only American whiskey they're going to have on the back bar is going to be Jack Daniels. That's yes. in my experience. Yeah, you go to places like Phuket in Thailand or anywhere it's like South Korea, like you'll have bars that are dedicated to Jack Daniels and it's just like, it's the sought after thing because it's this American icon and people want a part of it. So it's really cool. I get tons of friends who travel the world and they just feel necessary like, hey, look, Ryan. I was like, yep, I work for Jack Daniels. It's another Jack Daniels thing. <laughs> And is it is it fun to work for the company? How long have you been a brand ambassador uh, now? About a year and a half now. Um, this is kind of a new program, uh, being a brand ambassador for the company. They, you know, always are very kind of conservative about things. Don't want to, you know, reach what? out what too far. What do you far. mean? <laughs> Somebody from Tennessee. the South is yeah. being it's conservative? Tennessee. I've never um, heard of that before. So I've been in the role for about a year and a half. Uh, you know, previously I worked in restaurants and bars my whole life. And, you know, I think when you work in hospitality at one point, you kind of hit that point where you're like, wow, I'm actually pretty good at this. I know what I'm doing. Maybe I can do more and take this as like a career. Uh, and luckily that happened to me. I, I was managing a bar on the west side called Playa Provisions, uh, which we had a whole whiskey bar in the back. Great uh, and I just, great bar. Hey, if I'm going to be running a whiskey bar, I better study up and know my stuff. So I started reading every single book. Such hard work. You yeah. have to like read and drink and read and drink. And 
pretty soon the, the words get blurry yeah. and falling asleep in your book. And, and fast forward, next thing you know, I was like, hey, I actually know a few things. I'm not a pro or anything, but they let me talk in front of people and talk about whiskey. So. And now you are a pro. Is this yeah, your first right. time visiting the Whiskey Society here at Seven Grand? Yes. Yeah, so when I first got the job, uh, our assistant master stiller, Chris Fletcher, was in town. So I was assisted him and he hosted. Thank God. So I didn't have to do it. Uh, you're, you're safe here, man. Yeah. It was all right. We try to help people. This is not like a gotcha thing. Yeah. What's cool about Chris Fletcher is that so his grandfather, uh, Frank Bobo, was the master distiller from like the 50s to the 80s. So he like grew up on the distillery. Uh, it's just he's from Lynchburg. Um, you know, he graduated high school, went to college. What do you do when you work at a distillery? You go to school for chemistry because that's what your dad did. That's what everyone else in the family does. Oh, I want to get in the family business. I go to learn chemistry because making whiskey, making spirits is all about actually understanding chemistry. Organic chemistry. And organic chemistry. Yeah. So he goes to school. He actually works for a few other competitive brands, and then we're you know our company's growing so so massively that they said, hey, we have an idea for an assistant master distiller to our master distiller Jeff uh, Jeff Arnett. Um, so they're kind of like a tandem duo. And when you're uh, distributed over 170 countries around the world, and you got a lot of people who want to see the people who make it. You know, it's a lot of places to go, but they do a really great job, and they're super cool guys. Uh, we actually picked the barrel with uh, you guys with Chris Fletcher. So it's cool. every single uh, private barrel of our barrel proof, we actually you pick it with one of the master distillers. We'll taste it later, but it's actually an allocated product. Uh, only 90 barrels were released in America. So you guys have one of the 90 barrels that were released from America. Ooh, lucky us. Yeah. That's so cool. I can't wait to taste it. And I, actually, I have tasted it, but um, <laughs> I'm going to taste it again happily. Yeah. Um, can you give us a little bit of what is it like when you go to Lynchburg? A lot of folks maybe have never been to Tennessee. I know Lynchburg is a tiny town. First of all, it's in a dry county. And dry, dry what, county, have, yeah. have you hung out in Lynchburg and spent the night there and like, you know, yeah, I've actually spent seen, the night there. Yeah. Uh, what, give us a little sense of what is it like to visit Lynchburg, Tennessee? It's um, a tiny place. It's 600 people, one street light. It is a dry county. Uh, back in the day when the prohibition was going on, Lynchburg was hardcore Lutheran. And prohibition actually started, I think, eight years before prohibition started. So I think it was like 1912 or something like that it started in Tennessee. And then it didn't finish till after, I think, in 1938. So the Tennesseans were ahead of the curve in terms of prohibition? Ahead of the prohibition? curve in prohibition and then got Golly. rid of it. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Now that is concerning. They decided to just cert so there's certain counties within Tennessee that still are dry counties. Um, Lynchburg, Motlow County being one of them. Which, you know, in those dry counties, no one ever gets dr drunk, ever. You know that, <laughs> right? Like, that dry county More thing totally know. works. It really works. No one ever drinks. No one gets drunk. So It's a different world. Yeah, they actually kind of joke about it's the biggest joke in the world. People can't believe it everywhere I go. But they do a thing they call Good Fridays on the first Friday of every month. If you work at the distillery, you get to go pick any bottle of your choice. And the joke is that no one is ever late for work on that day. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really kind of amazing thing. They, you know, they, they, they take it pretty seriously. They scold us. They make sure you don't aren't seen drinking anywhere uh, because we take this very, very seriously. So you literally have to drive about a uh, half hour outside town to a town called Tullahoma, next town over. And right on the border, they have liquor stores, you know, gas station, go get your And bars? Bars. Uh, it's just liquor stores. <laughs> there's no bars in Tullahoma? I'm sure there's bars in Tullahoma. Adam, did you guys it. drink in Tullahoma? You guys didn't stop? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, let's, to understand Jack Daniels, you need to first understand Tennessee whiskey. And there was a movement coming out of Prohibition, but, you know, pure whiskey is what they were I mean, originally, the, the distillery there, they were advertised, as I remember, as like Tennessee Pure Whiskey. What does Tennessee Pure Whiskey mean? Um, well, you know, Tennessee Whiskey 
in general, you know, is basically the same standards as bourbon uh, with an extra fifth step. That fifth step we call, we call charcoal mellowing. Uh, it's the process of we distill our whiskey and right off the still, we drip it drop by drop through 10 feet of charcoal that we make ourselves with sugar maple wood. You know, the kind of common misconception when, pe when tasting Jack Daniels and we talk about this, people always go like, oh yeah, I can, I can taste the smoky flavors or this and that from the charcoal, but you know, charcoal it actually kind of takes away some things. So the style of Tennessee whiskey, it kind of smooths out the rough edges of the distillate to kind of leave more of the pure things that are within the whiskey. So because earlier in that the whiskey may have been rougher. And so these guys were trying to establish themselves on yeah. the market as being a, a, a pure form, yeah. a cleaner, a whiskey. cleaner whiskey, you know, the, sweeter. Maybe when you're talking to people and we're, we're drinking spirits. The kind of number one thing we say is, oh, I just want something that's smooth, something that's easy to drink. Right. That's not harsh. Uh, and that's kind of what Tennessee whiskey kind of in, embodied that kind of style. If you think even before prohibition back then, before we figured out that letting things sit in the barrel for a long time, it was that charcoal mellowing process that made whiskey palatable, tolerable. Um, you know, when you think about a barrel, if you guys have ever seen a whiskey barrel made, it stays raised and they toast it and they put it through a charring process. Char is short for charcoal. So it's the charcoal edge on the barrel that's actually a filter. So when they put the whiskey in there, it goes into the wood and out as that filter. So with Tennessee whiskey, we kind of take that to the 10th level where we make the whiskey charcoal filter it through 10 feet and then we put it into the barrel. It's the only thing that makes us different than a, a standard bourbon. So not a Kentucky straight bourbon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, is, what does that look like? Is that, is that, is that like charcoal chunks in a huge? Yeah, exactly. So it's a vat probably about six feet wide and it's literally 10 feet tall, just wood. Uh, there's two guys, Darren and Tracy, it's their job. They're the charcoal dudes. They about two, three times a week, take these big ricks of sugar maple wood, about two stacks. And they kind of tilt them into each other. Uh, they douse it with new make whiskey, so not to contaminate with any chemical thing. It's just 140 proof Jack Daniels off the still. They soak it down. Uh, it's great to kind of wash your hands in it because it's like smells so great. And they light it on fire. It takes about two and a half hours for it to burn to kind of a smolder. They put it out with uh, water. They run it through a grinder to get it to about kind of pebble chunks. Mm -hmm. And with that, they pack it into these 10 foot tall, six foot wide of that. They think there's uh, 68 of them. And literally on top of it is piping that has just little pinholes that the whiskey just leaks out like a leaky faucet and drips through. Um, they say it takes about three days for the whiskey to go through. Um, so, so, you know, you can say charcoal filtering. Yeah, if you think about this little drop of whiskey, just, you know, going all the way down to the bottom. And then from there, literally the mellowing uh, warehouse is right next door to where we put everything in the barrel. How did you decide on 10 feet? Did you like try something shorter or, big or longer? You know, honestly, that's just kind of one of those things where that's how Jack did it. And that's, you know, everything with Jack Daniels is, is tradition. It's you know, it's fun talking to people. They're like, oh, how about this? How about that? It's like, we've been doing this since 1866, and it's worked out pretty well so far. That's why we just keep doing what, you know, people want us to do kind of thing. So that's what Jack did back in the day, 10 feet of charcoal. Um, and yeah, so it's still, still to this day. Adam, did you get to see those pallets getting burned down and all that? Uh, we didn't get to see them burn. We went to the area where the furnace just like glass and flame. Uh, we didn't see it in action, but uh, it's pretty cool. There's only a couple guys that even are in charge of burning all that maple wood. If there's a there's a gentleman Jack commercial that's kind of been playing, and it's you know one of those commercials we like to do where we take people who actually work at the distillery and we dress them up or something like that. But there's a scene where it's a guy and a woman standing in front of burning uh, sugar maple wood. That's I'm pretty sure it's Darren and his wife, and it's kind of like you know he's all suited up, looks like they're getting married or something. And right behind him is a big blazing raging thing bonfire. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Whiskey cool. fire. Yeah, yeah. That's you know that's that's the guy. He's the, that's kind of why we did it. It's like hey, that's the guy who's 
making the charcoal, I might as well put him in front of the charcoal. <laughs> so it, it, let, let's let's back it up even further in history before we start drinking whiskey. I just want to back it up. Like so, Jack Daniels got the distillery from Lou Motlow, Is that right? Or Lem Motlow. Lem Motlow. No, excuse me. Um, Jack was living on a farm with a, a man named Dan Call, who was a yeah, was a Lutheran. No, yeah, Lutheran minister. Excuse me. And during the time, you know, he had a bunch of daughters. He needed a son. Jack ran away from home, about 10 years old, starts living with the Call family, um, and they're distilling whiskey. Uh, unfortunately, during that time, it was pre-Civil War, so there were, uh, you know, enslaved people. Uh, and Dan had a guy, a man named Nearest Green, who was his go-to whiskey maker. And Jack, you know, doing the house chores, this and that, and was like, hey, whiskey's cool. I want to do this. So Dan had Nearest teach Jack, you know, the skills of making whiskey. Fast forward a few years or so, Civil War happens, Max makes a proclamation, Jack's dad dies, he like, gets a little bit of money. So Jack takes that money, he says, Dan, can I please buy your little pot still and keep making whiskey? Nearest, you wanna keep working with me, keep making whiskey? And that's kinda how it happened. It's Marty, Marty and uh, Doc Brown type of thing, Back to the Future. But so Jack Daniels learned how to make whiskey from a slave. From a slave, yeah, that's correct, yeah. Um, then they worked together for about 10 or so years. Nearest was much older, and he kind of was like, hey, kid, I'm, I'm kind of over it. Uh, and Jack actually found a better water source where the distillery is to this day, which is uh, Cave Spring Hollow. Uh, and two of near sons who were helping him out actually moved with Jack to where the new distillery is, where this distillery is to this day. And actually, since that day, there's always been a member of the Green family working for the Jack Daniels Distillery. It's like, you know, to this day. So 152 years now. So pretty few crazy. generations yeah, yeah. now. That's great. There's a Jeff picture where it's a Jack, you know, in his older age and a bunch of Distillery workers, and right next to him is uh, African American gentleman, which in that time you wouldn't think is you know kosher because of how people thought. But Jack was a very unique individual who said, "Hey, I don't give a damn about this stuff." And you know, and that's that was the nature of Lynchburg. It's very you know kind of this kind of unique place. I always joke that it's kind of like the whiskey Wakanda, you know, <laughs> Lynchburg forever. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is this first? What is this first whiskey we're gonna taste tonight here, so, Colin? Lucky for you guys all tonight, these are some of our kind of more, you know, premium expressions, I can say. You know, whiskey's great for everyone. I'm a Jack on the Rocks guy. But these are some things that you might have not have tried before. So first up, we have our Gold 27. Now, we call it Gold 27, like Jack Daniels Old Number 7, but the two meaning that it's double matured, so it gets aged in our traditional barrels. We also finish it for a year in custom-made maple barrels. And just like our Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey is charcoal mellowed, this one is mellowed twice. So mellowed before the barrel, we pull it out, we mellow it again through three feet, we then age it for a year in these maple barrels, and we bottle it to have gold 27. So the barrels are made out of maple. Maple, yeah. So the original barrel is a standard American oak uh, barrel. American the, white the, oak. The, the finishing barrel is a maple barrel. So can you explain a little bit uh, how the flavor profiles differ from the whiskey that you get out of a white American oak as opposed to a maple wood? Yeah, so barrel? the maple wood, you know, honestly, what you think is exactly what happens. It gets kind of a sweeter, kind of more rounded kind of flavor. Um, it's, you know, no sugar thing. I think it's just that, that the flavor of the wood that kind of gives it to it. Um, so this whiskey is, you know, first it's kind of, you know, we sell it as a kind of upper tier elegant whiskey, but it's very light and delicate. I kind of joke that it's almost like my dessert whiskey because at the end of the night, it's not too harsh. It's really easy to drink and it's just like so delicious. And you know, so we're starting off with dessert. Starting huh? off with the dessert. Wow, yeah. that's sexy. Yeah. All right, I'm like, gonna skip dinner and just go to bed. Yeah. Is that what's happening here? Yeah, basically, right. exactly. So if you guys want to go ahead and nose it, definitely get kind of like the more kind of sweet notes. So stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What are you reminded of? Everyone's experience is different. There's no wrong answers. So share your experience here. What are you reminded of as you smell this? 
gold number seven from Jack Daniels. Be brave. Tony? Sugar cane? Honey? Honey? Cashew, caramel corn? Caramelly sugar, right? Marshmallows, nice. And what is the proof on this one? It's 80 proof, so it's again, it's Easy very, sipper. very, yeah, very palatable. So 80 proof for me, because we try a lot of castor-inth whiskeys around here. I have a hard time smelling 80 proof whiskey a lot of times. It doesn't strike me as strongly. The fact that it's watered down to proof makes it a little harder for me to get at the flavor notes in my, my personal experience. Yeah, you know, that's, you know, it's, again, it's a preference thing. You know, I always joke, you know, think of the beer industry, how you have IPAs, and someone had the idea, hey, let's make a session IPA. I was like, yeah, because I love IPAs, but I can only handle like two or three of them. My, my palate's burnt out, but if I have something that's a little lower ABV, I can actually enjoy it uh, more. You know, when the master distillers and the tasters are actually tasting the whiskey, they bring it down to 40 proof, you know, because they, you know, with super clean water, so they can really try to pick it out without getting the harsh burn from the alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, in my opinion, I think like the proof alcohol is kind of like hot sauce on a thing, right? You, you have something and you put this, this thing on it that kind of, in a way, masks flavor sometimes, as opposed to, you know, highlighting, I guess you could say. It's so, just an opinion. So <laughs> as you guys tap this over your tongue, what does it taste like? Share your experience, please. Mm. I'm getting a vegetal note off here. Like I got a little hint of green in there somewhere, almost like a cactus or something, like nopales, a little tiny bit. How's the oh, finish? really sweet. Yeah, I'm like thinking like ferns now, for sure. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Now that double charcoal melling, honestly, you know, if you actually think about it, there's very little burn on the end, and that's just the charcoal melling effect. Um, you know, and sometimes there's little hints of fruit. This is actually the same kind of style that we do with uh, a whiskey we do called Gentleman Jack. Uh, so it's that Ooh. same process, but it's literally almost the same style, but we just are finishing it in that maple barrel. I'm getting bananas too. I'm getting like that bananas foster bananas thing foster, happening yeah. on the finish. The banana is, is, is kind of like our signature nose, um, you know, Yeast is the second most important thing when it comes to making whiskey. And whatever yeast you're using has such a lot of defining character. And our yeast strain, which is, goes back all the way to, we hope, hopefully pre-prohibition, you can't really guarantee that, but at least, you know, it's 1938 when we started making whiskey again. Uh, and it's that banana flavor that really comes through. Um, you know, all sorts of whiskeys. People don't really think about that, like, hey, what you're smelling, everything that's made with this yeast is gonna smell the same. So if you actually smell our Jack Rye, our Jack number seven, they all have, you know, similar noses because of the yeast strain type. So what happened at the distillery during Prohibition? Did they shut it down or were they still making medicinal alcohol? Shut it down. They're not making medicinal, yeah. So nothing was going on. <laughs> but then they were able to start back up in the 30s and, yeah, and get it going again? Yeah, one of the funny jokes is that, so Jack in his later years passed away. He never had kids, never married. Uh, he left his distillery to two people, Lem Motlow, which was one of his nephews, and Dickie Daniel, which is another one of his uh, nephews. And when Prohibition hit, Dickie was like, Forget this, and he sold his share to Lem for three hundred bucks, and it's going. All right, Genius. sorry about yeah. So, so Lem stuck with the distillery. Prohibition ends. He gets it back going, uh, and it's kind of because of him really thriving through. So, a lot of older bottles will say Lem Motlow proprietors on mm -hmm. it, but he's just a son of one of Jack's sisters. So, what is? Oh, we're getting into the single barrel so, rye here. Yeah. Wow. This so. Is I'm excited for this. So, the question is the gold uh, available? Um, yeah. Retail? Yeah. Um, so, it was only available in Tennessee and duty free source. Uh, and now we're kind of releasing it to certain markets. So, LA now can get it. Um, I know I just, I was short a bottle. So, I literally went down to the Bevmo on La Brea and Wilshire and bought a bottle. So, that's, uh, it's 100. Uh, well, that's a big bottle. 
yeah, it's it's a big bar leader there. So, you know, one of the things is maple is like a really terrible wood to make barrels out of. So we make this barrel, we put the whiskey in it, and we probably lose about half of it. Over so that's that year. why you had to charge so much money for it. That's not why we had to charge. We charge because <laughs> it's so delicious and amazing. Uh, well, at the end of the day, rare whiskey is cost more. That's why. You, uh, you know, a 30-year-old bottle of scotch. Well, don't it, call it rare just because you made a <laughs> shitty barrel. Uh, hey, you make a maple barrel, too. I'm not going to. I already know better. There's a reason there's not a bunch of maple wood barrels around, because they don't make very good barrels. They make good whiskey, though. Yes, they do. I'm kidding. Next time, just put some of the staves inside the barrel. Oh, uh, whoa, whoa, Maker's 46. What? It's all right. It's all the way over in Kentucky. It's a long way to travel to learn. They whiskey. put it in it or they make that? Ah, never mind. Uh, Adam will take him over to Maker's Market. It's going to be like a meeting of the minds. Finally, Kentucky and Tennessee, they come together, they hold hands. Gay marriage is a Whole Foods. <laughs> well, we'll get. Well, if you want to talk, well, if you want to get into barrels, right? Uh, for instance, no one knows that Jack Daniels, we're the only whiskey company who actually makes our own barrels, right? So everyone else is buying from third party whiskey makers, right? So let's say you're running your own distillery and you need a barrel and you buy it from Barrel Guy. Do you tear it apart, look inside, inspect it, or you just go, well, it's a barrel, I'm gonna fill it up with whiskey. So it's really cool for us that we control every aspect from start to finish. You know, we have a saying, we don't buy barrels, we buy trees. You know, we have Brown Foreman Cooperage as well as the Jack Daniels Cooperage, which is actually state of the art. It's the only place there's something in the company I'm not allowed to see because part of our barrel making process, the toasting process specifically is, very uh, unique to Brown unique Foreman. to Brown Foreman. There you go. Yeah, and Old Forester and Jack Daniels. Yeah, yeah. well, the one, well, the and one at the Woodford Reserve. The process at the actual Jack Daniels series is kind of like next level, and they're actually working on getting that implemented into the Brown Foreman Cooperage as well. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's the cool. actual Jack Daniel Cooperage, which you know, again, the Brown Foreman Cooperage is making seventy-five percent of the barrels for Jack Daniels anyway. Uh, but it's just cool. It's like state-of-the-art facility, and they're kind of taking things to the next level. That being said, uh, next up we have our Jack Daniels single barrel rye. And so when we kind of have our kind of premium whiskeys, we focus on the single barrel. Again, that love for the barrel. You know, when whiskey comes off the still, it's crystal clear. You know, we say about 60% of the flavor comes from the barrel. It's like literally the most important ingredient. The most important ingredient is the one that most whiskey distillers have the least amount to do with. All they do is just put the whiskey in there and let it sit, you know, nature do its course kind of thing. So we take immense pride in the fact that we make our own barrels start to finish and the barrels are used, you know. If we're the number one selling American whiskey company, Right, and when we're done with our barrels, we have to use a new barrel every time. What happens to our barrels when we're done? Well, they end up in the Caribbean. And scotch is made with ex bourbon barrels. Irish whiskey is made with ex bourbon barrels. Tequila, scotch. So there's a rum. kind of rum. Yeah, there's a it's a kind of a joke that there's a little bit of Jack Daniels and everything because if we're the number one supplier of barrels, everyone's probably using a certain a decent amount of Jack Daniels barrels. So. Pretty cool to think about. But this is a unique category, and I believe, you can quote me on this one, I think like in five years that single barrel rye is going to be the hottest category in whiskey. I really believe it. I, if, if they start making enough of it, it won't be that if people don't ramp up production. Yeah, but so, if, it, if the supply and the demand can be met, I think this, this is where whiskey's going. Yes. At least American whiskey. Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, so us, our ambassadors, we're super pumped on this. We finally got the brand to approve doing private barrels of the rye. Uh, so there's 50 for the country next year, which I'm like, great, 50. We'll so. take two. <laughs> Down well, I, I don't even think I have authority to give away the one well, barrel. Well, you're on the spot now, man. It's a podcast. Let's Verbal get more agreement. barrels out there. <laughs> don't mess with those LA guys. They've got lawyers. You know, so the, the rye category definitely kind of has definitely made a comeback. And there's all different styles of rye. But us being Jack Daniels, I wanted to be super unique. 
uh, you know, say, hey, let's just do it our own way. So unique mash bill, it's a 70% rye, 12% malted barley, 18% uh, corn, uh, as opposed to like the high 95.5 rye or the Kentucky rye, which are super low, like 52%. So we kind of started there from our own mash bill. Um, our rye, our sweet spot's about six years. We'll never put an age statement, I think, because we don't believe in age statements. It's about barrel maturity, but we, about six years is our sweet spot for the rye. And, and do you know the actual mash bill in terms of the, what's the what's the percentage point for the amount of rye in here? Is it seventy percent? Seventy percent rye. So yeah. that's really seventy percent really... rye, twelve percent malted barley, eight percent corn. Wow. Same exact yeast strain as Jack Daniels. So let's go ahead and give a nose real quick and see if you can find the banana. Now that I said it, you'll find it. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting a mintiness though Mint? too, like spearmint. Yeah, Spear spearmint. Spearmint, definitely dill. Is, you know, those are rye characteristics. What um, are you guys getting as you smell this single barrel rye <laughs> from Jack Daniels? Roses, roses, beautiful, nice. very floral, interesting. So one of the ideas, especially with the kind of craft cocktail culture making a comeback was, hey, we want to make a, a whiskey that can hold up in these cocktails and do really well. But also, you know, we're Tennessee sipping whiskey. What's something that you can just sip neat, drink on the rocks, I think. So we wanted something that was really well balanced, not one-sided just for one thing. So we're really super happy with this. Um, quick note on our barrel program. You know, we have 88 Rick houses, over 2 million barrels aging at any given time. So we have a lot of barrels out there. So for our single barrels, we actually choose them exclusively from the top floors of our rickhouse. And that being said, because heat rises, those are gonna get the most heat, wood expansion, barrel flavor, maturity, right? Um, like we could, we could fool you and we could pick a barrel from the very, very bottom floor that takes forever to get that flavor we want and go, oh, check out our 15 year whiskey. It's like, or we can pull a rye barrel from the top that's been there for six years, half the time and say, hey, tastes exactly the same kind of profile that you want, you want that wood flavor, the rye flavor, the yeast strain, the, you know. Um, yeah, this, that, that upper floor, it can be like 140 100, degrees up 140 there. 140 degrees, yeah. yeah you, did you get a chance to walk up inside the rig? Oh, yeah, that's where we tasted the single barrels. Yeah, yeah. Up super in, hot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember walking down out of the rack house and like, <laughs> I sweat through all my clothes all the way down to my shins. My, all my clothes were completely wet just from the sweat. And yeah. it, was, it was like you were drunk off of the alcohol fumes going in through your skin. If, they, if someone could bottle the scent of a rick house, for cologne, oh, that's what I'd wear, I, you know. Well, I'm sure that there's guys walking home from the distillery right now and they're wearing that cologne. Yeah, cool. So let's go ahead and we already know that. Let's go ahead and give it a taste and, and see what you think. Yeah, stick your nose in that glass. What are you guys getting? Tap it over your tongue. Share your experience. Bubble gum is definitely one of those things you get. Mm-hmm. So again, balance. Oh, it's really mapley though. Mapley? Wow, for a... Yeah, maple syrup for a rye. That's super unusual. Now, again, this is a single barrel. Uh, so it's going to take on the flavors of, of whatever, you know, that barrel. No single barrel is like, that's the whole concept of picking these private barrels. It's, you know, no, no trees the same, no barrel the same. So what you get is your own you know, unique style. So yeah. I taste, I, the single barrel rye is my go-to a lot of times. And it's always fun tasting different kind of expressions oh, yeah. of it. It's like so, maple so. and pine and cinnamon. It's really delicious. Definitely get the pie in there. What's the uh, proof on this one? Uh, for our standard single barrels, our single barrel select, which is our Tennessee style and our rye is 94 proof. And how much of this are you guys going to put out this year? It's out. You can get it all in. We, I know, but you, you said that oh, in for terms the, of for the single barrels, you're only going to do 50 barrels. That's two bars. But how much is out there in the liquor stores? Um, I'm not sure, but it's a lot. I've never heard of us running out of the rye as a single barrel. You know, we do have, you've seen it, it's a tan label. We call it our core rye or just our Tennessee rye. It's the same exact whiskey. It's just That's going to be a blend of about 150 barrels for a consistent flavor. This is going to be one barrel, probably aged a little year two longer again coming from the top floor the jack daniels tennessee rye that you see in the stores honestly is the biggest steal in the world when you think about it it's i know that one's about again about six years old it's on sale right now for like 
1799. Yeah, buy it. It's amazing. You know, it's my favorite mark in the whole line. Great. And it's like it's so delicious, and it's you know honestly, I think we just have it so low right now just because we're trying to like hey, like we want turn people, people to try onto this. it. Yeah. yeah. So, in terms of the um, the bottle cost on the single barrel rye, do you know how much this one is compared to just the rye whiskey? The rye, yeah, this one I think goes for about 45 to 50, depending on the store. Wow. So amazing stuff. I really, really love that one a lot. For sure. Um, yeah. So again, one of my favorites. I like to do it with a little club soda, twist the lemon. It would make a magnificent Manhattan, nice. I dare say. Manhattan as well. Right. Beautiful. So and oh, Stephanie's going to go ahead and come around with the uh, the third mark here. Now, in terms of, do you know how many days? I know that most distilleries rye is really hard to work with. It it's a sticky grain. If you're going to do, you don't usually run rye and your normal Tennessee whiskey on the same day. Right. You'll be running like 30 days of the month. You'll be running your Tennessee whiskey and then maybe one day a month. Thank you. You might make rye whiskey. Do you know how, what the production rate is for the rye production at the Jack Daniels distillery? Uh, I don't. I do know it's not as often. Now we have six stills at the distillery, which you can think is a lot. Most distilleries have one usually, right? But when we're making so much more, it's like literally we have our still room started with one still, and then we put another one next to it, and now we have another one next to it, and another one next to it. So it's easy for us to keep making old number seven, and we can shut down one of the stills and make it. Just rye. rye yeah. through there. So are those all column stills, all or do you guys stills. have any running pot stills anymore? No pot stills, all column stills. No, yeah. so that, that was the old world method yeah. for Niles Green and his crew. They were doing pot still in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning, yeah. But then as you industrialized and upscaled, upscaled. you have now a bunch of copper column stills? 100% copper. You know, one of the things about Jack, it's like when you're the number one whiskey, you know, you kind of have a target on your back sometimes. So every single thing we do, it's just the integrity of us. We want to do everything the right way. 100% copper stills all the way. We only buy grade A grains. You know, we have an on-staff microbiologist to manage our yeast strain, um, which is insanely, you know, important part of the process. Um, just the whole process of cooking the mash, people don't realize that it starts with, oh, well, we have our yeast mash, and then we cook the corn, and then we have a, a rye and barley mash, and we have to put those together, and it goes into this and that, and it's just like, it's like, oh, that's actually a really complex process just mm -hmm. for, for making whiskey when you don't get that far. So. Now, in Kentucky, you went to some distilleries down there too, right, Adam? Yeah, and Four Roses Wild Turkey. Yeah. So they use a lot of back set, meaning that when they put the slurry from the fermentation tanks into the still, they keep back maybe 30% of it, maybe more. Right. And and use that as kind of the starter for the next right. batch. Do you guys use that same kind of sour mash? And if so, how much back set do you put into, do you leave behind in the fermenter when you put your new uh, beer in there? Uh, I believe it's 10% or whatever the, the back set was. Um, but yes, yeah, sour mash, you know, that's the kind of, you know, we're the, the brand that made that phrase sour mash famous. Um, and it's funny that everyone uses the sour mashing process at the end of the day, you know. Um, I think there's only one or a few decisions I know that Woodford, actually... they have that master's collection where they're playing around with some sweet, sweet mash, mashes, yeah. which means that inoculating each batch with the new, brand new yeast strain as opposed to using like that kind of sourdough technique where you're taking a little bit of the previous mash with that active yeast strain and kind of inoculating it over and over batch by batch. And it's literally just a, it's just honestly at the end of the day, it's just a trick to help jumpstart the fermentation of the next batch. It's, you know, it's kind of, I don't know how it affects the flavor or anything like that. Well, it's it keeps up bacteria because like yeast isn't the only thing that's fighting for sugars. Like right. every living organism on this planet is fighting for sugars because sugars are energy. And so it's possible that bacterium can get in there and kind of outdo the yeast. And then all of a sudden your whiskey tastes like right, yeah. wet cardboard instead of bananas. Right. And 
most I, people don't like drinking wet cardboard. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're pretty meticulous when it comes out of that. You know, we actually, you know, again with the whole yeast mashing process, I wish I knew how this worked better, but we create a yeast mash that's, I believe the term is lactobacillus, which is similar to like kind of dairy particles, mm -hmm. which kills any type of bacteria, literally creating a sour mash that we add to our bigger mash to keep that process to, to fight off any outside uh, bacteria, which is you know, yeast. We want to make sure that the only organism that is in this big vat of grains is our one tiny little Jack Daniel yeast. Or at least the dominant organism the dominant one, is yeah. the one that right. you've chosen and not yeah. some random one that you've never tasted before. Basically, yeah. So this third mark, what are we getting at? Okay, so this is a special treat for you guys. Uh, this is a very limited release product. This is called our Jack Daniels Heritage Barrel. Uh, again, it's a single barrel, so this whiskey is going to be coming from one barrel. Uh, the concept was to try to do something that was a little more old style. So at Jack Daniels, we distill our whiskey to 140 proof. We bring it down to 125, and we put it in the barrel. This, we bring it all the way down to 100 proof, and then put it into the barrel. So that's really soft whiskey going into the barrel. How do you think that makes it different from your standard expression in terms of flavor profile? It probably gets a little less of the wood and oak from the barrel, I'd say, as, as it matures. Um, again, though, this barrel, though, is also a special barrel, as opposed to a standard Jack Daniels barrel, which I believe is a 30-second uh, 30 char, 15-minute toast. We flip it. It's a 45-minute toast and then like a 10-second char. So we kind of flip the script on that. So we're putting this, hundred, this whiskey at 100 proof into these barrels. We put it in one rickhouse. I believe it's Coy Hill Rickhouse 2 or something like that on the top floor. Uh, and this is kind of a fun project. So really limited release. It's really great. I love it. I have more bottles than I should have. <laughs> Don't tell my bosses. But thanks, video. And, and so this is another one of those kind of barrel experimentations. So yeah. you've got these other barrels that you're doing that, that toasting process. And my understanding about the toasting process is that you're drawing the sugars of the wood closer to the surface right. where the heat source Carmelizing is. Caramelizing the wood in a way, kind of, yeah. And, and well, you're going to bring more of that caramelization because yeah. you're already, anytime you're going to char a barrel, you're not only providing a charcoal filter then, you're also caramelizing the sugar. Underneath that char line is what they call the red line, the red which line, is the yeah. caramelized sugar of the white oak tree. But by drawing, by toasting the staves longer, you're drawing more of those sugars to where the surface of the barrel is that then once you char it, I imagine that red line is going to be thicker. I'm not a scientist, but I'm just yeah, it's, saying. Yeah, it's, you know, so, it's, it's thick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's, um, <laughs> the jokes, I just, I have to, you know, it's a new world of jokes, guys. You got to help me out here a little bit. I was oh, like, I, I got a joke. You uh, Okay, so Brandon Bousters. Uh, I have no jokes. Uh, this is special release of 2019. Is this Can I do the joke? Yeah. So, Quick side story, well, let me tell you a joke, but this is actually whiskey we made for our 150th anniversary. There's a bottle out there called, we call it the Jack Daniels 150 decanter. Um, probably goes for like 100, 150 bucks, and it was, that was the whiskey we made for this, this whiskey. Um, not, you know, again, whiskey takes time, aging, maturity. Not all the barrels we felt were ready for this blend, this battery for this 150. So these are actually the barrels that we're kind of still sitting in the rickhouse. So it's kind of like, you know, hey, let it, so it's probably about seven and a half, eight-year-old whiskey. Not that age matters, but, you know, so it's the same exact whiskey, but just from one barrel as opposed to that blend. That whiskey is really good. That 150 is some of the best whiskey ever. And now you're about to taste basically the same thing. So. All right, let's hear the joke, and then we'll taste. Okay, so Brandon Bastards, you should have some jokes. I told and my whiskey Wakanda one, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I was, all right, I'm not going to judge we, it. I'm we not hang out in different it. circles. All right, let's hear the joke. Okay, so I was fishing this morning, as we do in Los Angeles, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh. 
So while I was fishing in the LA River, uh, I, was, I ran out of worms, as we do. It was early. I didn't pack enough worms. Uh, so, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, what am I going to do? I need bait. I need bait. How am I going to catch this bass in the great Los Angeles River if I don't have bait? And then I look down, and there's a cottonmouth snake. Imagine that on the cement banks of the Los Angeles River, a cottonmouth snake. But I wasn't afraid of the cottonmouth snake. Why? Because there's a frog in his mouth, and I knew that if the snake has a frog in its mouth, that it can't possibly bite me, right? And I'm like, damn, you know, frogs make great bass bait. So boom, I snatched that snake up, right, grabbed him right behind the head. He's got the frog in his mouth. I'm like, oh, I'm going to use this frog for bait. So I gently pulled that uh, frog out of the snake's mouth, and I put it into my bait bucket. And then I'm like, oh, well, now what I'm going to do, I got a pissed off snake in my hand. So I grabbed my bottle of Jack Daniels <laughs> and poured a couple slugs of whiskey down this poor snake's mouth, right? Animal abuse, I know. But the snake didn't seem to mind. He just rolled his eyes back in his head, and he went all limp, right? And so then I just like gently let him slide back into the Los Angeles River. And I put that dead frog on my hook and went back to fishing for bass in the Los Angeles River, as we do. And uh, then the next thing I know, like I'm fishing for this bass, right? And I feel this like little knocking on the side of my boot. And I look down, and there's that cotton mouth snake with two frogs in his mouth. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I think I might have needed just a little bit more whiskey before that. Oh, uh, that's why I don't. Love you, uh, I tried. And that's why I don't tell uh, jokes. Uh, All right, let's go. It, it was the believability factor. Let's know this guy. What do we get? Frog smells like frogs. Stephanie got a lot more caramel. I, well, I smell the L.A. River. It's like once you get that smell in your mind, you'll never forget it. Sorry. Brass, rich. What, what do you mean by rich? What does it smell like? Chocolate cake. Beautiful. Goes into the barrel at 100. We bottle it at 100. Wow. Maple. What else? Say again. Graham cracker. I love it. And the mash bill again on your standard. Classic Jack Daniels. 80% corn, 12% malted barley. Again, barley is a very crucial ingredient uh, for malted barley because it helps those enzymes help get the uh, break down the sugars and get the fermentation going. Uh, so we use 12% malted barley for all of our, our two mash bills. 80% uh, corn, 12% malted barley, and then 8% rye. I'm getting a real floral hit on the end here. Yeah. Like some bananas on the finish, but also like something really floral, like, uh, I don't know, lavender or violet or something. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. That is a very unique expression. This is, you know, again, the, one of the fun parts is that this is the same exact whiskey as classic Jack Daniels old number seven, right? Just playing around with proof, the barrel, how we do things like that. And then that's, I think that's kind of where the new innovation is going forward. I think there's a lot of things where it's just like, oh, let's see how many different ways we can finish stuff. But it's also like, hey, there's also other things we can do. Right. And, and in the Woodford, same company, they're doing a lot of this kind of same yeah, kind absolutely. of toasting yeah. experimentation, seeing how you can change the flavor profile coming out of the barrel like different levels of toasting before right. charring. And it's really interesting. It's fun to have, you know, especially where I think we're the number one, I mean, obviously because of Jack, but number one, you know, provider of American whiskey in the world. And it's that having that kind of relationship with Woodford, Old Forestry, and Jack Daniels that we kind of cross blend 
you know, our ideas. So it's really, really cool. And how much is this uh, bottle going to cost me at my local liquor store if uh, I can find it, one? We told liquor stores their suggested retail value was $64.99. Uh, I saw some people actually put it out for that. Uh, then after Whiskey Advocate named us number three on their top 20 list of the year. Wow. I got the, it was fun to watch the bottle price shoot up skyrocket places. I don't think that's fun at all. Yeah, well, I like it when it's It's fun for me cheap. because I already bought a few bottles. So oh, like, <laughs> okay. It's got second yeah. market intentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam, will you come up here, please? Definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Adam Clues, bartender from Seven Grand up in the front bar here. So, Adam, you went to Tennessee to buy a single barrel. Indeed. What What is that experience like? Uh, you got a lot, like, single barrels aren't cheap. Like, we're going to, like, it's basically someone's giving you, like, five, ten grand being, like, be careful, son. It better be good, you know? Like, what was it like? Uh, it was awesome. It was my first time in Tennessee, Nashville. Uh, if you guys have never been, like, and you have a chance to go to Nashville, go. It is awesome. It's cheap, and the bar scene is, like, fantastic. Nash Vegas, we call it. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> and it's totally worth the drive, like, the hour drive to get out to Jack Daniels, too. Like, the people there are so nice. It's, like, it's, it's cool. It's I like really East cool. Nashville. We have a, one of our old bar buddies here, uh, Derek Ness, used to work here. He and his brother were owned a place called Cry Wolf. Crying yeah. Wolf. Yep. Cry Wolf. Crying, crying, crying Wolf. Crying yeah. Wolf over in East Nashville. I, sh I should have brought the pictures of us there at the photo booth. We, uh, ah. we had a good time there. <laughs> you have photos to prove it? No memory? Yeah, basically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so tell us, what was the day like when you went and selected this barrel? Oh, God. Um... <laughs> um, so you guys were partying in Nashville so, the night before. Yeah, yep. Um, thank you, you stayed Brett up Foreman. all night. <laughs> <laughs> well, we woke up probably around six central time um which is like four la time right jet lags um made the drive out to uh jack daniels took the tour um and uh you know it's like jack daniels it's like it's everywhere and i think it's like easy for us to take it for granted and i know i definitely did but like the passion those employees talk with like this product they make is like truly unbelievable it gives you like a whole new like appreciation for it for sure um so we took the tour talked to goose in the uh, <laughs> front area there. And then uh, they took us up to the top floor of the uh, Rick House. And uh, they just had like three big barrels waiting for us. They were trying to make you guys them. pass out. They knew that you were hungover. And then they took you to the top floor of a rack house? Yeah. You tell everyone yeah. the same thing. Hey, don't go too hard tonight. We got work to do tomorrow. And no one ever listens. No one yeah. ever listens. Yeah. Uh, I was happy they only had three barrels picked out for us, actually. Because <laughs> six, six or eight barrels is, You're is really... a little much sometimes. So... Um, so they had pre-select. They're trying to make it easy on you guys. Yeah, I think so. Chris <laughs> Fletcher knows what he's doing. Um, but yeah, so all three barrels were like super high proof, obviously, uh, super different. And uh, at the front bar, what we try to do is pick a barrel that's like uh, totally different than what the distiller usually like offers in terms of like flavor profile. Um, and I, th I think we hit the nail on the head with this barrel. Um, it was the... Uh, wasn't the highest proof barrel they had selected for us. I think it was right in the middle of the road at 133.3 proof. Um, I'm not going to give you guys any tasting notes yet, but um, yeah. it's So the, the kind of the DNA of Jack Daniels, as we we're saying, kind of like that Bananas Foster, yeah. little charry banana kind of vibe. Let's see, how is this different? Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. So this is clocking in at over 130 proof. So, so yeah. Don't just breathe harshly into your nose. Go slow. Again, Let the whiskey those... goes into the barrel at 125, but due to the lack of humidity, the way the angel share uh, evaporation goes, it's actually the water that evaporates quicker than the alcohol, uh, which is so it's kind of rare in Tennessee where we have these barrels 
how do you how do you put whiskey in the barrel at 125 proof and it comes out at 133 proof? So it's pretty interesting. Most barrel proofs usually fall around like the 115, 120, or something like that. So what are you guys getting off this Jack Daniels seven grand single barrel whiskey here? Apple pie. Apple pie. Now we're talking. That's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for me. I like that. Well, I the first time I tasted it, I was like, this is the best Jack Daniels I've ever tasted in my yep. life. I think you and Evan did a really stellar job of choosing. It's this a, yeah, they did a great job picking the barrel. Um, it's fun. I got to sit there, but I had to like be quiet and like. And so the Evan that we speak of, Evan is the bar jock lope manager. He's not leaving us. We yeah. we got poached by a tech guy. Like Evan came into Los Angeles to work in IT, and we we wooed him into the whiskey world. And he has been a brilliant manager for us here at Bar Jack Lope. But one of our regulars owns a tech company. Came in and he just seduced him with whiskey and he stole him away and he's paying him and he's oh it's just like damn tech companies man yeah <laughs> it's all right we salute you evan thank you for all you've done what do you guys yeah share this here's to evan and and also share your experience guys what does this single barrel taste like to you i got a lot of nice oak on the nose i like that a lot mm-hmm mm. that maple comes through really strong oh wow what else I'm getting coffee notes in it too. There's like this nice, really dark char, like a phenolic coffee, leathery, yeah, roasted nuts and coffee. Uh, wow. so Adam, That's what was brilliant. your favorite part of the distillery? <laughs> <laughs> I promised them I'd ask him questions like an interview. Uh, probably the little cave, that little cave where it drops like 20 degrees. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just like a nice little cool spot where they get their water from. I forget the name of the river, but uh, cave, cave spring. Yeah, it's very. Uh, it's, a, it's a natural cave spring. So there's a spring that comes out of a cave, and they yeah. called it cave, cave springs. Spring. Who'd have thought? Yeah, genius. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, what, when you guys were tasting these barrels, you tasted all three. Now that we've shared a little bit of some of our tastings, what do you remember that made you say like that is the barrel that I want to buy? Uh, I think me and Evan both agreed there was just like a cool uh, burnt caramel note on this one, which is like not traditional Jack in my opinion. Um, the, the nose didn't impress me off the get-go and I was kind of, I was not sold on this until I tasted it. Um, so, and it also, it's just like, it's got a huge crescendo on it. It just like keeps going. Like it doesn't stop. It kind of builds on your tongue. So I, I like that too. I thought it was really cool. That is amazing. It is so when, delightful. So when someone steps up to the bar and wants some of this, do you recommend just having a little neat? Uh, yeah, I usually always recommend it having it neat first, uh, cause you can always add water later. And if you ask for a cocktail made with 138 proof whiskey, you're going to be putting yourselves into, it's not going to taste like a normal cocktail because you, I really like this one a lot. Where, when you guys chose this one, what was the, the next step? Did you like taste it several times side by side or how long did it take to make your decision? Uh, it took probably a little longer than we thought, especially having only three, bar three barrels because we just kept going back and forth between all three, kept tasting them. Um, I don't know, probably took us 40, 45 minutes, maybe? It took a bit. Probably longer than Chris Fletcher was expecting. We were like, we were really struggling. But, but they, they took you were hungover and indecisive, is what yeah. I'm hearing. <laughs> we kind of, we kind of, we like to, you know, re-emulate the experience. So we re, you know, they taste them already, but they have to go through and they have to crack the bung off and they get to do the, you know, yeah, actually so you're, fill their bottle. Yeah, they, yeah. they have a, a, a hammer that you hit both sides of the barrel on each side of that cork and the bung. Stopper will come out, and then they'll take a thief and whiskey thief. And they'll oh, they'll take the whiskey up. out straight yeah. from the barrel. And did you guys have little nosing glasses up there? What, what uh, were they? Yeah, we did definitely. 
Beautiful stuff. And then the really cool thing about the single barrel program here at Seven Grands, the only place in the world you can have this whiskey is in our bars. It's only at Seven Grands and Bar Jack Club. You can't find it in any liquor store anywhere, as unless far, sometimes like... As far as I know, you're the only bar in Los Angeles that has their own private barrel of the Jack Daniels barrel proof. Oh, wow. So, so cheers. So cheers. Wow. Amazing stuff. What do you guys think? The Seven Grand single barrel? So how many folks like the gold number seven was your favorite? That first one we tasted tonight. You mean number 27? Gold 27, yeah. Gold 27. That was your fave. All right. Uh, how many folks like the single barrel rye the best? Lots of rye lovers. I'm in that crew. All right. We'll go all hang out later. Um, uh, how many folks like the, the double, what, what do you call this third expression? The heritage barrel. The heritage, heritage barrel. barrel. How many folks like the heritage barrel the best? Yeah. You can't vote twice, man. I got two arms. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. I, it's all right. It's all right. It's not, it's, it's not that serious of an election. Um, and then how many folks like the seven grand single barrel the best? Yes, congratulations. You guys are all alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I get asked all the time, you know, what's my favorite? And I think it's very millennial of us, but it's like, I don't have a favorite. I like to go around the horn and get, you know, I'm, I'll be sipping Barrel Proof one night and I'll be sipping Old Number 7 the next night. And the next night I'll be doing a Rye Manhattan and just, you know, yeah. I just mix it up. That's kind yeah. of my style. Yeah, yeah time That's right. That's right. I think the single barrels is the best Jack Daniels I've ever had. It's, it's magnificent. There you go. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Definitely. That higher alcohol content really pushes the flavor profile forward. It really, it smacks you in the face, but in a way that you're not ashamed of the black eye that you have, right? <laughs> Does anyone know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> Wear with pride. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> well, you guys, let's give it up for Mr. Colin Coleman from Jack Daniels. Adam, thank you for telling us the story of the barrel selection. Adam Coons, seven grand bartender. Well chosen, sir. And big love and thanks to Evan, our dear Evan, for uh, leading us to this moment here, here in the Bar Jack Club. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. Remember.